Our Gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. We'll read the first 13 verses of Mark, chapter 6. Hear now this reading of God's Word. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you, And they refuse to hear you. As you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was surprised to hear that not many of our children did sparklers on the 4th of July. It would be appropriate to ask you to raise your hand if you did do sparklers this 4th of July or if you've ever done sparklers on the 4th of July, right? Let's raise our hands, right? Yes. In my family, or if mine is anything like yours, sparklers were the things we did with the children. I cannot remember a time in my life where I didn't do sparklers on or around the 4th of July. And even in the years when we didn't have fireworks or go to a fireworks show, we still had some sparklers. We still spelled our name out and spun them around and watched them bend. You've done these things, right? We know sparklers. We know how to use them. We think they're relatively safe. And that's because we're familiar with them. And maybe that's the thing. Because we're so familiar with something like a sparkler, we've become comfortable, maybe too comfortable with them. And their power, well, it's forgotten. And they can actually be dangerous. Maybe some of you have experienced the danger of sparklers. Fortunately, I haven't. It should come as no surprise that as many as 80% of firework-related injuries for children, for people under five years old, are sparkler-related. 
Now, you can think about that. It's, of course, th- those are the ones that the children are most closely aligned with. But in 2013, there were an estimated 2,300 injuries due to sparklers. Which means it might have actually been more dangerous to hold a sparkler than to drive or fly to the 4th of July celebration. Now, sparklers are not the most dangerous fireworks. But because of their familiarity, we forget that they burn at like a thousand degrees. They can hurt your skin, they can damage your clothes, they can start a fire. And, and I think about it at my house when we're cooking, if we open the oven and, and Finn is around, we make sure he's far away from that 350 degree oven. But you guessed it, on the 4th of July, I handed him two lit sparklers and watched him do this with him. And I did my research afterwards. The sermon is not about sparklers, but it is about the reality that too often there's power and there's presence right in our hands that we fail to understand Sometimes because we're, we're so familiar with it. We let our familiarity get the best of us and we forget the great power that is right here among us. It's true for sparklers. It's true for those vehicles we all will get into and drive home in. Oh, it's true for our words and our actions. And of course, most importantly, I think this is true about God's power and God's presence, and God's work in the world. That's why Jesus' hometown missed it. That's why we often miss things. And that's why sometimes maybe we even need to get out of town to gain perspective about the power that is around us all the time. During Vespers this last year, we were reading through the beginning of the book of Acts. We've gotten about ten chapters in. And there's a word that keeps coming up early in Acts that actually comes up in this passage as well. The word is astounded. You remember you heard it? They saw his works and they were astounded. It turns out in the book of Acts, when someone is astounded, it's not a good thing. In our lives, being astounded is a great thing. You walk out of the train station in New York City, you look up at those buildings and you are astounded. You see the finale of a fireworks show and you are astounded. But in Jesus' time and in Scripture as they're writing, to be astounded is not actually what you want to be because to be astounded is to be impressed and amazed but not understand what it is that's going on. It's to miss the point in Scripture. Jesus returns home. He goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath, which is what Jesus does on the Sabbath. He goes to worship. And he begins to teach. And as he begins to teach, some are astounded and the rest are just critical. They didn't understand his power. They didn't know how he healed or where this wisdom he had, where it came from. 
They say, isn't that Mary and Joseph's son? And it turns out that wasn't a compliment. Because they had no idea what was happening through him. He was just a kid. He was just the carpenter's assistant who was the carpenter. He, he went off and did that teaching thing. And oh yeah, he's back here. And who, who made him king? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We remember that time he was a precocious 12-year-old and hung out with the leaders in the temple and got lost and didn't make it back with his parents. But, but really, I mean, to come back at 33 and like to tell us, what it is we need to know. We should save the prophecy work for the real prophets, they were saying. You and I can see what's happening over there. You and I know that he's the real deal because we're not from his hometown. We can see clearly that God is doing something different in him. And those that saw God's power at work through Jesus, they were not astounded. Oh, they didn't understand fully what was happening, but they knew that God was at work. And so if the writer were describing them, they would say, the writer would say, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they knew that God's power was at work and they were on board with God's power being at work through that person. And now the warning is, well, sometimes we're satisfied with being astounded and sometimes we just dismiss that which is familiar to us. Those things that happen right under our nose the things that happen through people we have known their whole life, especially those we know really well, we, we, like the people of Nazareth, miss it. And that's why sometimes, maybe, we need to step back a little bit, get away so that we can get some perspective on what it is God might actually be doing among us. Because if we're too close to it, sometimes it's hard to see. Before Jesus got to his hometown, he had been in the villages teaching. And at the end of the passage, he leaves the hometown, his hometown to go teach and cure people. He ministers, he shares God's love, and many are receptive to God's power. The disciples even convey this power in a, in a meaningful way. They all are healing and casting out unclean spirits. They take very little with them and the Lord provides. And if there's places where they're not welcome, they just move on without worrying about God's power not being at work there. Many are healed. The disciples sense God's power at work. And they are all received so much better than they were in Jesus' hometown. And so maybe there's a lesson here too, an inverse lesson, that, that, that for some reason Jesus and, and his disciples, they got out of that which was familiar 
in order to experience God at work, in order to make themselves aware of how God was very much at work in the world because they had grown too accustomed to the ways God was at work in their regular lives. Oh, I think that's why it's important that we support things like youth going to Passport. That's why it's important that as adults, you take a week and go to Passport with the youth. We don't need all of you to go to Passport, but, but when you go, when you get away from that which is familiar, from the familiar Sunday school teachers, and from the same old preacher, and from everything the same that it always is, you get to sense God in a different way. That's what you will experience this week. That's what those of you who went to Jacksonville experienced when you were there, right? When you worship outside of this sanctuary, you see that God is at work and hopefully it helps you to see that even God can be at work here in this place. Because to get out and see God at work is important. And that's not just a message for the youth. We all need to get away, not just for rest and for vacation. Those are very important. But we need to get away spiritually in some way to help us see how God is at work elsewhere and how God being at work over there might help me understand and rediscover God at work here. Because the fact of the matter is there might be a carpenter's son among us who you and I are just dismissing as the carpenter's son. It makes me wonder who among us could be embodying the spirit of, spirit of God's love in such a special way that we miss it because we're too familiar with them. Who among us might God be using that we cannot see because we are just accustomed to them being who we've always thought they were? I wonder if these are questions we need to ask. And I think one of the best ways to ask it is to zoom out a little bit. Take Take an assessment of our, 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 our rhythms and our routines. Get out of our element, but in a way that allows us to see God's work. And I think that's the message not for the youth, but that's the one for the adults. Because think about who was raising the questions in this passage. It wasn't the 33-year-olds who were Jesus' friends who were like, isn't that just the carpenter's son? They knew Jesus. And it wasn't the kids who were looking up at that 33-year-old teacher going, isn't that just the carpenter? It was probably the people who had known him his whole life. It was probably them who said, is that just, that's just the carpenter's son. They were the ones who dismissed him, and they look a lot like most of us. In their routine, in their rhythms, accustomed to things being the way they had always been. 
which makes that a warning for us. Are we the ones who are so accustomed to things being the way they've always been that we're prone to critique that which is new and we may miss that which is right under our noses that God is doing among us? Are we the ones who have stuck so close to home that we're sometimes not comfortable with the new experiences God may be calling us to because we're more comfortable with our rhythms and our routines. Because if that's true, it means we're the ones who are most likely to miss God's work happening right under our noses. And we need to decide, do we want to see God's work right here among us? Or are we okay with missing out? think that we want to experience God's work. Otherwise, I I don't know why you would have gotten up and come here on such a beautiful Sunday morning. Right? But if we want to see God's work, we've got to be aware of the fact that God's at work right here, right now in some way, and it will require us to be something different than these people in Jesus' hometown were on that day. There are so many things in our lives that we take for granted, especially in our life of faith. And please take note that I use the word we, not you. We have a great church with a talented staff. We have interested and caring lay people who lead committees and organizations and seek to help everyone have a meaningful experience of God's love and help people grow in their faith. That is one of the true gifts of this place, and I believe in that. I believe in this church. I believe in God's work here. We all love this church. But I think sometimes we... We just take things for granted. We fail to realize how God might be working because we're too close to it. And we fall into the trap of being the folks that are just like those in Jesus' hometown. We miss and take for granted that which is right under our noses. And so Scripture tells us that a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. And the implication is, of course, that it's hardest for us to see that which is closest to us. But we mustn't take that for granted. Because if God is at work everywhere, if God is love everywhere, if God's grace abounds, then it means we can't accept the reality that God is more at work somewhere else than God is at work here. And so we we ask ourselves, what might we be missing? What might we be missing? What blind spot do we have that is preventing us from embracing God's work? How might we need to get away for a moment so that we can see how God is at work close to home? And what might we need to do to to change things so that we can better embrace God's power and presence here because it's already right here. In a way, spiritually, I think we're all just holding sparklers, but not realizing the power that's right there 
with it. We know and we say God's power is among us, but too often we fashion our lives and our habits and our beliefs in such ways that they're in our own image and not the image of the power that's right there in front of us. We hand sparklers to two-year-olds and usually nothing bad happens, but we miss the power that's there. But the warning is right here. God is at work here with us. That question is not up for debate. The question we face is, will we be like the place where the prophet is dismissed? Or will we, will we uncover that power in a new way so that we can truly experience God's love and presence among us, even today. I think that is our task, and I pray that we will open ourselves up to that task, starting right now, starting today. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving and holy God, we give you thanks for the day that we have. We give you thanks for your word and your message and for scripture and the ways that it shines a light on us. But Lord, may it not shine a light of discouragement on us, but a shine a light of encouragement, of opportunity and of promise that here you are at work in our hometown. And Lord, our only task is to open ourselves up so that we might sense it and we might see it. And we might participate in it. And so, Lord, for these days, clear the scales from our eyes. Lord, open our ears that we might hear. And Lord, grant us wisdom to see how you're at work and courage to participate in that work today and every day that we face ahead. This, O oh Lord, is our prayer and we offer it in your great name. Amen.